how are we today? Well, it'll be interesting how people are after this one, that's for sure. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's never right. Well, yes. That's normally what I come out with. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I know that all too well. <laughs> oh, fuck, right? Yes. Have we got a really bit of a gross one? Yeah, well, the person is fucked up, but everything's fine. I can record. Everything fine. Uh, we are in the midst of a storm right now up here. I have heard. I've heard, um, I've heard these weather warnings. Yeah, code red or some shit. Yeah, red. Very bad. Very bad. Fucking Jesus. Right? Um, red. Uh, yeah, no storm. Babet or. B-A-B-T or BAPIT is what other people are calling up here. But yeah, um, it's not been as bad as it could be because I don't live directly on the coast. But for kind of stuff like Brechin, Montrose, uh, Stonehaven and like Aberdeen, um, very bad, very bad. I'm going to have to get my mate, my flatmate's checking on her friend because he's recently moved up to Scotland. But he kind of lives on like a little island. So... <laughs> Fuck oh us. well, that's fine. If it's it's the northeast, possibly. I've, I've and there's no islands off the coast of the northeast, so I he'll know. be on the west coast. That's where the islands are. Cool. So he should be okay. My logic, but yeah, my, it's, my, my it, brain, it's it's it's. Yeah, my brain went. He's on an island. That might not be great if you got a storm. Yes. Well, I mean, we're on an island. Well, yeah. But it's it's been it's been quite bad. Um, my work was absolutely dreadful today. Um. We've had floods galore, etc., etc. And you know the weather's bad when... Well, this is the stupid thing. The weather's always bad up here when it's, like, this bad. Like, when they actually say we're red weather warnings, blah, blah, it's bad. But people still go, oh, that's fine, I'll still go out. So, sadly, someone actually has passed away uh, from the storm. Um, a 57-year-old woman, I think. Jeez. But I don't understand. When the weather's so bad, we have, we've, had it, but we've had it before where folk have been swept away. In floods and stuff, because people just don't listen. I'm not. I'm not being insensitive, but like they give the weather warnings, and folks still go out and they risk their lives, which they really shouldn't do. And then sadly, some people's lives get taken because of that. I take like so yes, if, not good. If there's really bad weather, I normally take that as like right. Here's my movie day. Here's <clears throat> my movie day. This yeah. Is well, see. Th I mean, it's it's like a shitty boss, and you have to go to work, like regardless of the weather. Then that's really good. yeah. But traveling wise, I wouldn't advise anyone traveling that far. I mean, even though we don't live on the coast, coast we're all quite close to. Um, I'm only like a fifteen minute, uh, sorry, fifteen miles or so away from Aberdeen. Um, and Aberdeen's on the coast, so there is a lot of uh, the northeast which has been badly affected. But my power is here, and I am all good. And um, yeah, that's the only thing that's happening up here right now. So hopefully, die down in the weekend storm, Babette. But uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah. But today's case is not a nice one. Lovely. In the slightest. Um, right, take it away on this. What I'm gonna guess is a big disclaimer. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> well, it's a bad disclaimer. I wouldn't say, uh, let me just go through the notes here. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is this guy's a nonce. Oh, great. That's, uh, that tells you everything. N nonce, 
So, disclaimer, if you don't like nonces, or if you don't know what that means, someone who's a pedophile, someone who is a chomo, child molester, this is where this one's going. You kind of get the thing. So we're going to talk about uh, pedophilia, molestation, murder, um, stuff like indecent exposure as well. Um... I think we also... We, we talk about some things with weaponry. Um, knives and that sort of thing. Uh, people getting stabbed. Um, I think the... Oh, well. I think strangling comes into this as well, yeah. Strangling and people being hung as well. And uh, just you get the general sense of the idea. If you don't like cases based on someone killing young children and doing very despicable and ungodly things to them, do not listen to this case. Jesus. Okay. Evil, evil, evil one. Um, and an evil man. So yes, we are covering the case of Wesley Allen Dodd. Hmm. Wesley Allen Dodd. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe some people might know this one. I, I don't know. Uh, I have never... No, I don't know about this case. Uh, he looks like he's meant to be a... He looks like, he looks like one of the Jonas Brothers. That's bad. I don't, I don't. Come on, why? Why would you compare? Why compare him to the Jonas Brothers? He looks, anyone... like, he looks like Joe yeah. Jonas. He looks like Joe, which is not good for Joe. He does that first picture. I mean, to be. He looks like Joe Jonas. Yeah, well, I've actually seen his. I didn't realize there's the yearbook photos. I actually didn't think about. Um. That, but yeah, no. Ah. Uh, Oh dear, yeah. Well, this guy's a fucked individual. Not Joe Jonas isn't. But yeah, we are going to talk about Wesley Allen Dodd. So, strap yourselves in for this one. This guy's a sick individual. And, um... Well worth the watch, actually. Some of the interviews and stuff for this one. I'll say this now, because I watched some of them. Because they were quite interesting to watch. Because, um... He's one of those people, the way... He explains stuff afterwards, interview-wise, or says about the, the happenings and why, etc., etc. is quite interesting. So I'll probably talk about the interview that I watched, or his last interview, I believe, was the one I watched on YouTube, because it was quite interesting to see his um, way of thought. But we're talking about Wesley Allen Dodd, which, first when I saw this, Wesley, I don't know anyone called Wesley, that's a unique name and a half if I've ever fucking heard one. Um, we, yes, we're talking about Wesley Allen Dodge, who's born on July 3rd, 1961 in Toppenish. I hope I'm saying that right. Toppenish, Washington, United States. Uh, um, he has nicknamed as the Vancouver Child Killer and Shelley Lee Brooks. Don't know that one. But, um, yes, this guy, um... Uh, that his nickname uh, well, is not good. Like, he not is a fucked individual. He, as I mentioned before, but it's like normally with serial killers, they get nicknames, don't they? But the the nicknames always kind of sound 
cool, which I don't like and I don't agree with. Well, they always sound like something out of a movie or something like that, don't they? But that's just straight to the point. Yeah, well, this, I, as, I, as I say, I, I never like to explain all what happens in the beginning because it spoils it all, but this guy does commit murder. I will say that. Um, And the span of crimes that uh, occur between September 4th, 1989 to November 13th, 1989. So it's not a recent case, but... um, uh, Yes, and it happens in the states of Washington. So this is, I think this is how I found this case. I was like, serial killers in Washington. Who have we got for that uh, sort of state up the top there? The top left. And he was one of the ones that came up. And I was like, oh God. So, uh, yes, let's delve into Wesley's early life. So, as I mentioned, Wesley Allen Dodd was born in Toppenish, Washington on July 2nd, 1969. And he was the oldest of... Uh, the oldest of Jim and Carol Dodd's three children. Uh, Dodd claimed he was never abused or neglected as a child... Um, so, whether that's true or not, but you know what it's like, sometimes the abuse can lead to the way someone acts. However, he claimed the words, I love you, were never said to him as he grew up, nor could he ever remember saying them himself. Fuck me, mate. Um, his younger brother... The words, I love you, were never said to me either as a kid. You didn't see me doing what you did. Yeah, I mean... My parents are not... I'm going to become, I can understand some people want... It, it's sad, and you know what? Sometimes it does upset me, I will admit, that my parents, it's really sad, never told me that they love me and all this kind of stuff. But, you don't go out killing people because of it. Like, oh, my parents never told me they love me. So that happens to millions of people, you dumb fuck. Go on. Yeah, no, um, I it, it doesn't, you know, I can understand people want some uh, affection in hearing words like that, but don't know if that really ever plays a big part in this, but he claimed he never, uh, the words, I love you were never said to him. Well, his younger brother Gregory was arrested in 2016 for the attempted sexual abuse of a 13-year-old girl. So his brother's not any better, it seems. Fucking sicko. And I'm in 2016, so quite a while after. Um, The Seattle Times reported that Dodd described in a diary written during his imprisonment that his father was emotionally and physically abusive. That he was often neglected in favour of his younger siblings and that he witnessed violent fights between his parents. Although... He, in that earlier claim, he said he was never abused, but then the Seattle Times reported that they were describing his diary that he was abused and it was by his dad, and he was often neglected in favour of his younger siblings, and he witnessed violent fights between his parents. Now, I don't have any siblings, so I don't know what it's like when it comes to maybe people getting jealousy because the parents are spending more time on that sibling and yes, not it, them. Yes, it does happen. I can, I can, uh, maybe I can, that I can vouch for that. Yeah, can affect people quite hard. Yeah, because so like. Does it? Do people actually yes. get that sense of... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I was that child. <laughs> Mostly because, like, I'd have, I think it also... Oh. Sometimes age gaps kind of go into um, play with that because me and my brother are six years apart and 
by the time I was like seven and he was like one or something, everyone was kind of doting on him and I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit shit. Yeah, you used to the attention, but then it kind of just goes away like very, very, very quickly. You don't expect it. Give me the attention. Oh, okay. At school, Dodd was not welcomed into any social groups, leaving him with no friends. By the age of nine, Dodd had discovered that he was sexually attracted to other boys. On July 3rd, 1976, Dodd's 15th birthday, his father attempted suicide following an argument with his wife. He graduated from Richland High School in 1979. That's quite sad, though. 15th birthday, his father attempted suicide following an argument. Especially at 15, I would have dread to have... Um, figured that out or like saw that that you know my own dad was trying to kill his life because he had an argument with my mum now at a very young age uh he he has the sex does start happening so not really sure what's spurring this on but like um was I said before, by the age of nine, he discovered that he was sexually attracted to other boys. So he knew sexuality then, but in terms of all the fucked up shit, um, it didn't really delve too much into like this is maybe why or that spurred it on. But at the age of 13 was when Dodd began exposing himself to children in his neighborhood. His father eventually told an Oregon newspaper that he was aware of the behavior, but largely ignored it, since he felt his son was otherwise a well-behaved child who never had problems with drugs, drinking, or smoking. Now, you know tell what? me that's not messed up, right? That I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd take the drugs and the smoking over being a pedo. Just saying. Yeah, the fact that his dad knew, but thought, well, his he's a well-behaved child because he's not doing any drugs or drinking or smoking. So I'll just ignore the fact he's exposing himself to children in his neighborhood at the age of thirteen. How can you let that slide? That's bad. That's not a well-behaved child. That's a fucked child. Because actually, by the time he entered high school, Dodd had progressed to child molestation, beginning with his younger cousins, and then neighborhood children he offered to babysit, as well as the children of a woman his father was dating. His own, his own younger cousins. He was molesting them. Yeah. And he'd, he'd entered high school and he was molesting them, and the neighbors that he offered to babysit, and the children of a woman his father was seeing. I mean, that's when he's about 14 or so. That's completely fucked to be doing that, especially at that age. And at the age of 15, Dodd was arrested for indecent exposure, but the police released him with a recommendation of juvenile counselling. I think it's more than counselling. Exposed himself, and they go, oh, you know what, we'll just release you, and you recommended juvenile counselling. He's 15, and he's, he's exposed himself. Come on. Come on now. In August 1981, at the age of 20, Dodd tried to abduct two girls who reported him to the police. No action was taken. The following month, he enlisted in the US Navy and was assigned to the submarine base in Bangor, Washington, where he began abusing children who lived on the base. 
once Dodd offered a group of boys $50 to accompany him to a motel room for a game of strip poker. This time, he was arrested. Now, also, I don't get the whole strip thing. I actually was looking at the wiki for strip poker and other things because there used to be the fad on YouTube of strip FIFA of, like, they'd get... They'd use the clickbait title and then they'd go, oh, strip FIFA with my blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't understand why people play games with the intent of just, oh, you'll take that piece of clothing off and then you'll play the next game. I feel like making games sexualized that are innocent for me is just like a no. Yeah, I've had I, 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 if you enjoy strip poker, that's on you. But personally, for me, if someone's like, do you want to play a strip version of a game? I'm like, no, that feels very uncomfortable doing it that way. Yeah, Maybe poker. if it was with my girlfriend, and it's just us two. But he offered fifty dollars uh, to the group of boys. Yeah, strip poker's been around for decades, but yeah, like I've never understood it. Would you do strip poker if someone said you you want to play some strip poker? It'd be one of those where you do it if you're in a couple, but I don't think I'd do. I wouldn't want to do that in front of a group of mates. <laughs> oh, not in front of your mates. Not how much. Not even if a random person, like in this case, gives me money Hell and no. says, "Come to this room and play this, and I'll give you money." No, 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 no. The whole money given thing to me to make me do something. I I don't fall easily. But that time. He was arrested, and despite confessing to the police that he'd planned to molest the boys, he was released with no charges filed. Oh, Jesus. He confessed to the police that he planned to molest the boys, and they released him. He literally straight up told them he was going to molest them, and they said, okay, and released him. What? What the fuck? What the fuck? How can you let a man confess he's going to do a fucked up thing, and you go, that's fine, and release him? And then, shortly afterwards that, he was arrested AGAIN for exposing himself to a boy and was dishonorably discharged from the Navy. Dodd spent 19 days in jail and underwent uh, court-ordered counselling. In May 1984, he was arrested for molesting a 10-year-old boy but received only a suspended sentence. Dodd planned his entire life around easy to Easier, uh, um, Dodd planned his entire life around easy to access um, or getting easy access to targets as he referred to children. Jesus. You know it's fucked up when he's referring to children as targets. That's because um, he, he moved into an apartment block that housed families with children and worked at fast food restaurants as a charity truck driver and other such jobs so that he would be in the vicinity of children. Because obviously, oh, well, apartment blocks that house families with children makes sense. You know, if he was trying to get his sole targets, you know, he's probably scoped that out and thought, right, let me find an apartment block that has a lot of families living nearby. He worked at a fast food restaurant. Kids eat at fast food all the time. A charity truck driver. He'd deliver off charitable stuff. I'm assuming... Places like schools or something that would have children there. You know, that's how fucked up this man is. He was seeking out pl you know, places to be so that he'd have access to be around younger people. Oh, yeah, and he knows that he can get away he, with it. He repeatedly... He knows he can get away with it because he's gone away with it multiple times at this point. So he's just like, oh, I'll just get a slap on the wrist and that's it. 
Yeah, once it, see that's the thing I find that when the police catch a, a criminal for doing a fucked crime and then just basically let him off, the criminal then thinks, well, I must be fine then. Because when the because I'm assuming criminals get so shit scared to be like, oh fuck, when the police find me, and then when the police catch them and they realize the police aren't as bad as they thought and they just get slapped on the wrist, then they feel like, well, I can do anything then because the police aren't giving a shit. If they gave a shit, they would have given a way more harsher punishment and dealt with him specifically way earlier when they had the chance. He repeatedly molested the preschool-aged children of a neighbour, but the woman declined to press charges, fearing the experience would be too traumatic for her children. I feel like the fact they've been molested is going to be a bit more traumatic, love, but alright. Is uh, yeah? Why would you not press charges? You know your children are being molested, but you feel like you pressing charges would be a too traumatic experience for our children. Yet they have been molested and they're preschool aged. Pretty sure that's gonna last. You know, give long lasting trauma. They're never gonna forget. I don't understand why that woman didn't press charges. In uh, 1987, Dodd tried to lure a young boy into a vacant building, but the boy refused to go with him and instead told the police. Good lad. Prosecutors were aware. Prosecutors were aware of Dodd's history of sexual offences and recommended five years in prison. However, once again, Dodd received minimal punishment because he had not actually touched the boy or exposed himself. So that's their line because he didn't actually touch the boy or expose himself because he lured him into a vacant building and didn't do really anything they um gave him minimal minimal punishment he was placed on pro probation in order to seek psychiatric treatment after finishing probation he stopped going to treatment and moved to vancouver washington where he was hired as a shipping clerk in the autumn of 1989, Dor decided that David Douglas Park in Vancouver, a large, heavily wooded park with several um, secluded trails, would be a good place to find potential victims. He was arrested several times over the next five years for child molestation, each time serving short jail sentences and being given court-mandated therapy. All his victims, around 50 in all, were below the age of 12, some of them as young as two, and most of them were boys. Jesus Christ. 50 victims, all below the age of 12, and some as young as two. That so, so, so fucked up. Oh. No I, I can't even fathom that. Yeah, when no I was when I that. see when I was typing it out and it said all it said all his victims were below the age of twelve, fifty below the all of them or like fifty below the age of twelve, and some of them as young as two. When I was typing that for my research, I actually felt so sick in my stomach. I genuinely couldn't. I was like, I don't know if I can cover a case like this when that sort of shit is in it. That is just fucking unbelievable. And you know what? Um, you know, Dodd's sexual fantasies became increasingly violent over the years because he would later say, in quotes, The more I thought about it, the more exciting the idea of murder sounded. I planned many ways to kill a boy. 
A psychiatric who evaluated Dodd following one of his convictions said that he fit the legal criteria for a sexual psychopath. Now, just when someone says sexual psychopath, he definitely fits that description. I didn't know that was a term people coined, but he is a psychopath. And that's an understatement. This man is psychotic as fuck. And we'll find out because I'm a way to talk about the murders. Because he takes his stuff to the limit. Takes it way too far. So, on um, September 4th, 1989, Dodd went to Vancouver's David Douglas Park with a fish fillet knife and shoelaces and sought out young boys to kill. So he was going out there to try and find young boys to kill them. Yeah, he wasn't just... Uh, he lured two brothers. He wasn't just going out to, like, do what he's already been doing. He was literally going out to do something completely different. Yeah, sought out. Yeah. Sought to murder them. Um, He lured two brothers, 11 and 10-year-old Cole and William Near, to a secluded area where he forced them to undress, tied them to a tree, and performed sexual acts or sex acts on them both. When he was done, he stabbed them repeatedly with a knife and fled the scene. The boys were soon discovered in the park. Cole was dead at the scene while William died en route to a nearby hospital. After the murders of the two brothers, Dodd started a scrapbook with newspaper clippings about and other facts about the murder. So... He murders the two boys and then starts a scrapbook with newspaper clippings and other facts about the murders he's committed, as if it's like a trophy yeah. in his eyes, if you will. You know how we mentioned before how people, in certain cases, take items of clothing or something to remember the case uh, they've made. I think this is the case here where he starts a scrapbook to um, commemorate his, in his eyes, like, this is what I've done, I'm commemorating myself, look at this, and it's so fucked. The scrapbooks are not meant for fucked up things like this. But in his messed up mind, it's like, here's my scrapbook with newspaper clippings, which I'm assuming he was putting in the newspaper clippings being like, wow, the police aren't going to find me. I guess like laughing with himself and himself only at the fact that, you know, the newspapers are talking about this and he's the psychotic prick who did it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely what it is. On October 29th, Dodd drove to Portland, Oregon, where he encountered four-year-old Lee Iselli and his nine-year-old brother Justin at a local park. Their younger boy uh, was playing alone on a slide, and Dodd succeeded in convincing the boy to come with him. Justin had gone home, so Dodd then tried Lee to his bedhouse. He managed to take Lee to this apartment in Vancouver, apparently unnoticed, and he ordered the boy to undress. Dodd then tied Lee to his bed and molested him, taking photographs of the abuse. Dodd kept Lee overnight while he continued to sexually abuse him, all the while jotting down every detail in his diary. So he got to the fucked up state if he took photos of the abuse. And he's noting down every detail of the sexual abuse he's given him in his diary. That's... that's... messed up. 
dotting every detail of the horrific crime you are committing. Yeah, that is really fucked. And then... It turns to the worst, because the next morning, he strangled Lee to death with a rope and hung his body in the closet, photographing it as a macabre trophy. He would later confess to police that he had originally planned not to kill the boy, but eventually decided that it was necessary to keep him from telling anyone. Dodd stuffed Lee's nude body into trash bags and threw it in some bushes near Vancouver Lake. He burned Lee's clothing in a trash barrel except for the boy's underwear, which he kept as a souvenir of the crime. Of course he did. The un- he, uh, of anything he keeps, the underpants. The boy's underpants. Yeah. I'll never understand why this fucked people keep, like, um, stuff as, like, a souvenir or, like, a trophy in their eyes. But this guy did it. As, uh, as if it wasn't bad enough. All the stuff he does, he takes photos, had the diary, and then he does the stealing part of the clothing as a souvenir. BS. It just keeps getting worse. This guy, when I was typing out, it was getting worse and worse, and I'm like, this guy is getting more and more fucking fucked up. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, he burned, as I mentioned, Lee's clothing in a trash pile, except for the boy's underwear. He kept that. And uh, one day later, Lee's body was discovered, which sparked a manhunt for the killer. Dodd kept a low profile and mostly stayed in his apartment, writing down future plans for child abduction and also constructing a homemade torture rack for the next victim. So this guy, he's made a homemade torture rack for the next victim. And considering how young he scopes out for his victims, that torture rack is going to be fucking horrific. And homemade as well. It was like, um, who was the guy we covered that had the mobile torture unit thing in the garage? Oh, God. The toy box killer. I can't remember... The toy box killer, yes. Yeah. I feel like it's on that same level. A homemade torture rack. It's the first thing that came to my head. You know, making this shit with the intent. One sec, what was his name? David Parker Ray. Him, yeah. Yeah, that's, yes. that's, what, that's what I thought. It's, is, is it, you know, because... As soon as she said it, I was like, that's, that's, that's David Parker Ray, like, all over. I, I feel like... You know, and they make them with the intent of they're gonna get multiple victims, and they want just to use this equipment in their own place or somewhere. Somewhere they you know they can just house it there, and it can be like their own evil, twisted, sick dungeon of hell to um, prey and torture innocent victims. So. Um, and also, writing down future plans for child abduction. This guy's planning. This guy is writing down future stuff. That's how fucked this guy is. He knows he likes this stuff, and it's not spur of the moment. It's he's planning for doing this shit again in the future. Like, just think about that, right? This man is planning child abductions. Never would you think in a... To, you'd ever hear something of like someone's planning a child abduction. This guy's planning to abduct children, planning to molest people. How fucked up is that? 
it's, it's not spur of the moment bullshit like some of the killers we cover where stuff happens spur of the moment random victim he's planning this shit out now he does get arrested and i'm going to talk about the arrest because um there's someone who play uh, the way he gets caught is so like just a big fuck you to his face Oh, is so, it, is it very comical? Uh, on November 13th, yes, and he so deserves the way he got caught. It's fucking great. So, on November 13th, uh, 1989, Dodd drove to Camas, Washington, around 12 miles east of Vancouver, where he attempted to abduct six-year-old James Kirk II from the restroom of the New Liberty Theatre. Uh, the child began fighting and crying as Dodd was leaving the theatre through the lobby, cry, uh, um, cr carrying the boy in his arms. Despite Dodd's attempts to calm the boy, theatre employees became suspicious and followed Dodd out to the street. Due to their pursuit, Dodd released his victim, got into his car and drove away. The boyfriend of the boy's mother, William Ray Graves, came to the theatre lobby and was told the boy had nearly been abducted. Graves went outside from the theatre in the direction where to uh, Dodd was last seen. Dodd's car had broken down a short distance away from the theatre and he was attempting to start the motor. In order not to raise Dodd's suspicion and to stall time, uh, Graves pretended to be a passerby and offered to help him. He then put Dodd into a headlock and returned him to the theatre, where employees called the police. The local police contacted the Portland Police Task Force investigating the kidnapping and murder of Lee Ezeli. Ez Dodd was taken into Kamas Police Station, where he was, where Portland's uh, Task Force lead detectives C.W. Jensen and Dave Trimble interviewed him. He was then taken to the Clark County Jail in Vancouver, where Jensen and Trimble continued their interrogation over the course of three days. Eventually, Dodd confessed to all three murders. So, he tried to abduct a kid. Yeah. Couldn't calm the kid down. Kid goes away from him and he says, fuck it. Like, I'm surprised he said fuck it and left. I thought he would have definitely kept going for it, because that's how fucked up this guy is. And then his car, he drives away in his car and it breaks down. Not far away, so the, the actual kid he tried to abduct's dad comes out and finds out where he is and goes, I'm just going to act like an innocent bystander so I can actually clock him one. Acts an innocent bystander, asking that, basically saying, no, I can help you. Then gets him in a headlock, takes him back and calls the police. So deserved. Legend. And I can imagine it as well. When I was doing this... I can imagine it, like, him just full-on putting him in a headlock and Wesley being like, oh, fuck, like, screaming and shouting while he's being dragged all the way back to the theatre. And good on the staff, actually, for noticing something was wrong. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of situations, lots of situations I've seen where the staff might think something's bad but they don't know if 100% it is bad so they don't know if they should do anything but in the case like this they thought this is very suspicious hang on here and then realized oh shit something is gone I'll tell the family members what's happened here and then he comes running after him but he eventually uh, Todd confesses to all three murders 
Jensen and Trimble then served as a uh, served a search warrant at Dodd's home in Vancouver. During the search of Dodd's house, um, police discovered a homemade torture rack, along with newspaper newspaper clippings about his crimes. A briefcase containing the um, Leslie is underwear, a photo album containing pictures of Lee is and assorted photographs of children in the newspaper and store catalog underwear advertisements. Ew. He had photographs of children in the newspapers and in, like big store magazines, which showed like kids in underwear for like nappies or maybe something like that. I'm not sure as well, but you know that's messed up, man. Photographs of children in newspaper. Oh my, that's fucking grim. Grim. They also discovered, like, you know, as I mentioned, Dodd's diary. They, they discovered that, and in which he wrote in detail, actually, about the murders. Dodd was charged with aggravated first-degree murder in the deaths of the Near Brothers and Lee Azeli, plus the attempted kidnapping of another child. He initially pleaded not guilty to all charges, but later changed his plea to guilty. He killed three just innocent boys who did not deserve to die, but the good thing is he was charged with aggravated first-degree murder and the attempted kidnapping of another child he got done for. Jesus Christ. But they tried to plead not guilty as well. Yeah, he initially pleaded not guilty to all charges, but later changed his plea to guilty. Like, what is even the point of pleading not guilty when they've literally got your entire weird scrapbook and everything and your diary and all this shit? Like, there's no yeah, point. There's I've... no point at that point. There's literally no point. They have all the evidence that they need at that point. I just feel like it's one of those things where they're like, well, maybe they won't believe any of that bollocks. They won't get to find that. And they won't believe what the other family members or everyone else says. I'll just bullshit my way saying, I'm not guilty. But that just would never work. If I was in court, I'd never let that slip. I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, this guy too often was the type of person that would say I'm not guilty. And, you know, if they, they walk out the court, fine. You know, who's to know they might come back in again? For another crime. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. Well, during his trial in Clark County Superior Court, the prosecution read aloud excerpts of Dodd's diary and displayed photographs of Lee Zelli. Is Lee or ever? The defense did not cause any witness, um, the defense did not call any witnesses or present, uh, present any evidence, suggesting only that Dodd must be legally insane. The jury found Dodd guilty. Prosecutors were quickly, um, well, the prosecutors requested the death penalty, and the jury agreed. Dodd would claim that speaking in his own defense was pointless, and ultimately, quotation marks, the system has failed repeatedly. Washington state law gave Dodd the choice of execution by lethal injection or by hanging. Dodd stated that he wished to die by hanging because that's how he had killed Lee Ezeli, his last uh, E. Esley, his last victim. So they gave him the choice: the injection or the hanging. I can't tell if they if he picked that because like oh I might as well die the way they died, or if he picked it because he gets some weird sick thrill out of it. 
I don't know. And if he gets, and if he gets um, some weird sick thrill out of it, you shouldn't let him have it. I mean, it's fucked up anyway. They, they, they get a choice. And I've seen Lethal Injection happen in the Spider-Man movie. Mm. And I was like, okay. Um, I've now seen uh, Lethal Injections for stuff. Um, but yeah, he chose the hanging and said that he wanted to die that way because that's how he killed Lee, his last victim. Uh, in terms of the execution, uh, less than basically four years elapsed between the murders and Dodd's execution. He refused to appeal his case other or, or the capital sentence. He insisted that he could not control his urges and would kill again, stating in one courtroom brief, and uh, one court brief, quotation marks, I must be executed before I have an opportunity to escape or kill someone. If I do escape, I'll promise you I will keep and rape again. I will kill and rape again. Um, and I will enjoy every minute of it. That, that, okay, that line also got me as well. Like, if I do escape, I promise you, I will kill and rape again, and I will enjoy every minute of it. Yeah. What? Uh. Oh. Just that I will enjoy every minute of it. Uh. Uh. He also said in some interviews that death would give him relief from guilt over the murders. During his trial, he wrote a pamphlet on... Here's the thing as well. During his trial, he wrote a pamphlet on how parents could protect children from child molesters such as himself. Fuck off. He has no... Why? Is he trying to turn to the good side, being like, hey, I wrote these pamphlets? No, fuck off. No, how does he know? How does he... How, how does he know enough to write a pamphlet on how parents could protect children from child molesters? Is that, is that, is that, basically, he's writing a pamphlet of his weaknesses, essentially. I feel like that's also, just, also a pamphlet on, <laughs> just how he could, I feel like it's also a weird pamphlet in a way where he's kind of showing child molesters how kids are being protected as a way to try and, like, go against what the parents are saying, because that could be done in so many ways. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Hmm. Well, I mean, Dodd's execution by hanging was the first in the United States since George York and James uh, Latham were hanged by Kansas in 1965. So, quite a while had gone before they um, allowed the death of hanging to be allowed. The execution was witnessed by 12 uh, members of local and regional media, prison officials, and family members of the three victims. Dodd ordered broiled salmon and fried potatoes for his last meal. His last words, spoken from the second floor of the indoor gallows, were recorded by the media as, and then quotation marks, I was once asked by somebody, I don't remember who, if there was any way sex offenders could be stopped. I said no. I was wrong. I was wrong when I said there was no hope. No peace. 
There is hope. There is peace. I found both in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck off. Look to the Lord and you will find peace. Fuck off. Is this man pulling out the religion card again, going, yes, I am a believer of God. God will fix my problems. Do that. Are you sure about that, it. mate? God can unmake you a chomo. Like, do you remember when Bundy was going on about how masturbation is the reason why he became a serial killer? And I'm like, well, that's a fucking lie. And then all these fucking religious nutcases were like, oh, yeah, Bundy's the poster boy of no masturbation. I'm like, you put a serial killer as a poster boy for something, what are you doing? Yeah, he's never been the poster boy for No Nut November. And that's some bullshit, Ted Bundy, man. I masturbate, and that doesn't mean I want to be like that. But, y yes, he was, um, you know, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, I found peace and hope. Okay. But, didn't help you because Dodd was executed at 12.05am on January 5th, 1993 at Washington State Penitentiary Pen 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 in Walla Walla. Wait, 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 penitentiary. Yeah, penitentiary, sorry. There you go. He was pronounced dead by the prison doctor and his body was transported to Seattle for autopsy. King County Medical Examiner Donald Rie, Rie found that Dodd had died quickly, within two to three minutes, though not from a broken neck, which is really the usual cause of death from hanging. Rie stated that Dodd's death had likely not been very painful. Dodd was cremated following the autopsy and his ashes returned over to his family. I'm surprised they won his ashes back after finding out what he did. His dad was all for it. You know what I mean? His dad didn't give me I, 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 His dad was all for it. Well, yeah. So I don't think his family... Yet. I don't think any one of them... Don't think the family... Gave, gave a shit. Yeah, I don't think they gave a Maybe shit. Maybe it didn't say about it. They probably scoured his ashes as well. They probably scoured his ashes as well. Twaddling about, you could be stepping over where that Execution. <laughs> True. But the execution did come with some controversy. Okay. Dodd's execution came with some controversy over his choice of execution by hanging. The American Civil Liberties Union filed a lawsuit saying that this method of execution was a violation of the Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Now, I don't know how. Um, like, they got the death sentence as a whole, but... Why? you got the gas chamber. This is... You know. They have a gas chamber. as still a form of execution. How the fuck are they turning the nose up at hanging? But that's why I'm surprised why this has came up as like, uh-oh. Uh you know, why does the controversy come up with the fact of his choice of execution by hanging? I mean, the lawsuit made it all the way to the Washington Supreme Court, but was unsuccessful in blocking Dodd's execution, largely because Dodd himself chose hanging. On the day of the execution, many people gathered outside the prison, either supporting or protesting the execution. Oh, 
I can't imagine that though. A bunch of people show up and it's like, oh, what are you here for? I'm against the um, execution. I'm for the execution. And it's like, wow. The fact people were supporting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Supporting. There was much media attention. Uh, some TVs, news reports, featured stories on the history of the hanging, showing such things as the loud sound that the trapdoor can make, along with the silence that follows it, and the type of rope that was going to be used in order to properly prepare it for uh, optimum effect. People now, in terms of pop culture, because there's a... As a uh, of course, it's pop culture. Yes, so Dodd's profile was featured along with another convicted sexual predator imprisoned in Washington in 1992 frontline episode, Monsters Among Us. Among Us. Dodd's crimes are included in the investigation discovery series, Real Detective, and the episode titled Malice. Detective C.W. Jensen describes his involvement in bringing Dodd to justice and the effect that had on him personally. In 2006, Discovery Channel television show Most Evil analyzed his life and crimes. Uh, he was ranked 22, the highest point on the scale in, I guess, the Navy. Don, Dodd was the basis for an unseen, for unseen characters, uh, a child killer named Wayne... Dobbs in the 2002 film Insomnia. He was fictionalized as a man who murdered a young boy in a way similar to Dodd's murder of Lee Zelly. So, yeah. Um, some stuff in the media. Um, several books have been written about the case, including When the Monsters Come Out of the Closet by Laurie Steinhorst, who communicated with the Dodd on writing and by phone almost daily for 18 months prior to his execution, driven to kill by true crime author Gary C. King and Dr. Ron Turco's book about his experience during the initial investigation to arrest in developing a profile of the killer. Now, that's pretty much all I had. There's probably more, but like I said... I went and watched this sort of, like, last interview, and it was kind of fucked, because they were asking, like, how... They were asking him one for, like, how do you feel about death? How does the whole thought of you dying come into play of, like, how you feel emotionally? But they were also kind of, like, asking um, questions which he would answer stuff in the realm of, like... I'm a fucked up individual. I know I'm fucked up, but I still do it, but I can't tell you why I still do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's those people who are scary where it's like, I know I'll come I'll know I'll kill again. And then when they ask, oh so, you know, how how did this blah blah and it's like, well and they explain it all into detail and then it's it's just 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 grim. Just grim. And there's probably more, but yes. That is Wesley Allen Dodd. It's a really fucked up child molester from Washington. And the fact that people still do the whole child molestation chomo thing today is just fucking nuts. Oh, yeah, it's downright insane. Like, yeah, I hear about it a couple times in the news, but someone like this takes it to the extreme. This Wesley Allen Dodd guy 
takes it so far and ends up killing three people and doing a whole lot of fucked up stuff and then slap on the wrists. Slap on the wrist. Every single time. I don't understand how criminals and stuff just get slapped on the wrist and then bad shit happens and the cops are probably thinking, oh fuck, we had the option to actually stop this guy and we didn't take it and we just gave him a nice slap on the wrist and look what happens now. And as well in his interview, I don't know if you mentioned it in this one, but he gives off the vibes or like he might have said that he's one of those people that if he doesn't get caught and put in jail, he will continue to do all this fucked up shit, probably to as long as he can. And then realize maybe, hopefully, that um, it's uh, how fucked of a person he is in, in, in the real life sense. I mean, yeah. And I think when you watch interviews like this with other other people like this, they do ask them, can these people be saved? Can they be helped? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Can you Do you think people like this guy, Wesley, or other chomos can actually get help? Or are they just, or you think it's always to the grave that they're going to be a chomo? I think it's to the grave, you know. Yeah, I find that too, but, you know, the whole self-aware and the whole explaining, I think he maybe did explain it, he's like, oh, this is what you, we could do to stop these fucked people from actually doing it, and it's like, well, you were one of them, and then you tell folk how to avoid all these fucked up people, I, I wouldn't really trust anything this guy says. Oh, no. But he's obviously passed away, and uh, he was convicted of aggravated first-degree murder on three counts, aggravated first-degree murder, attempted, sorry, first-degree murder, and first-degree kidnapping. And yeah, that's all I had about Wesley Allen Dodd. It intrigued me when I saw it. I don't think I have covered anyone who's a chomo in a while. And it was from the US of Washington. I thought, why not? But I'm never going to live it down you saying you look like a Jonas brother. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at the images now. No, but he's, he's, the fact he has the tash as well, the tash. Yeah. I'm not stereotypically picking on anyone, but just that Tash radiates just, I'm a fucked up individual vibes. Yeah, they've not helped anyone with the Tash, have they? Anyone who's nice and innocent what? with a Tash is fucked. Because you see it in um, all the photos that it looks like he... If you just saw a photo of him with a moustache, you think, oh, this guy looks like an actor or something. He's got a moustache, nice kept hair or whatnot. But no, that's 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 not the case. He's a bad man. But yeah, I highly recommend you watch some of the interviews and um I still get blown away when I watch stuff like this where serial killers say different stuff and then you kinda figure out in your head why you try to th why you think why they're admitting this stuff and why they're thinking that way, but I can never grasp the way these serial killers, and especially this man, uh, this man, how he wraps his head around him being so fucked up. But he died, and that is the good thing. I don't know why I would have an issue with that. I don't know why people had an issue with him getting hanged. When you have the option to do it over someone who is, um, you know... 
like fucked up. I don't know why you say, "Oh no, 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 this is all right." He was getting gonna go get hanged. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, we'll just protest against him being hanged. So don't believe that's right. You know, this guy clearly said himself he would do it again unless someone raped him and killed him. He's admitted that would happen if he did come out. So I feel like he also played the coin of he feels like, oh, prison life's the life for him and that's how it's meant to be. So he wants to stay in prison and not be released because it, he'll be in prison for so long or he would have been in prison for so long that um, his concept of, I guess, maybe sanity-wise or something or like the concept of him knowing that he's going to come out again might have sparked him on even more. Um, I really don't know. But he's dead. And I don't care that he was hanged. He so fucking deserved it. I mean, yeah. No, I agree with that. He definitely did. Think he'd that's that's all. Think he'd be ridiculous. I had information-wise. I just... I feel for victims in situations like this because... I... You know, I'm no psych... psych um, psy, I'm not into, like... I'm not a therapist or, like, I can read minds or anything, blah, blah. You know... But, like, I, I wish someone would, like, you know, n figure out a way to um, properly diagnose. Maybe there's, like, a way that they properly can scan or diagnose brains and thought processes to how people turn out this way and how someone gets to the stage of being a child molester. Because the amount of cases we've done where someone does a thing and I'm like, well, why? how does their brain make them feel like that? Like... I've had a couple of thoughts where my brain's given me thoughts in my head of being like, you're not a fucked up individual, Matthew. You never will be. You'll never do bad stuff. But then I feel like with all the cases we do, these circulars have this different mindset that I do. So the voice in their head's going, do it and telling them the evil stuff. You know. But there we go. Wesley Allen Dodd. Probably one of the um, worst chomos we've covered so far. Or maybe in the entire world. Um, you know, I don't know um, why I decided to pick some one that was bad, because they're usually yours, but there we go. Yeah, I was about to say, it's normally a me thing. But yeah, no, good episode. Definitely. Uh, yes. Yeah. It will have affected some people. I know this is a very touchy subject for certain people. They just don't like the whole mm. idea and thoughts of that, and it's never a nice thing to happen, but this one ends in a positive light of having him be killed off. But he should have he been caught way, way earlier and not let off lightly. The justice system letting people off too lightly. Yeah, no, not really shocked by that either, though, because there's been too many cases that we've covered where the police haven't given a shit. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Next week, it is technically the Halloween episode, would you say? So next week's the Halloween episode? This is Halloween. This is Halloween. So you'll get a new episode next week. But yeah, we will see you guys next week with a new episode. Don't know what case it's going to be yet. But then again, I don't ever really tell you. But yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.